Amen. As we get started this morning, let's go ahead and take our copy of God's Word and turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. As we come this week, we are continuing our uh, theme of me- our series of messages that is entitled Stop Dating the Church. And last week, we called Christians to return to the local church body to a love, a passionate love and commitment that, that God has shown us through His work in the church. Indeed, we are to reflect God's passion, God's love, and God's commitment to the local church within our lives. We said last week that what Jesus loves is what we should love. What it is that Jesus loves and what He counts as precious, what He approaches with passion, with love and commitment, is exactly what the Christian should be passionately, lovingly committed to. This week we want to turn our attention and this week we want to see why the individual Christian really needs the local church. And the question must be raised within the context of our culture. Does the local church, does the individual Christian need the local church? And I want to start by telling you two stories, two things that have happened. One uh, is, is when you walk into Starbucks and, and just imagine if you would uh, walking into Starbucks and as you walk in, you notice the young man sitting over in the corner at a table and he's obviously engrossed and engaged in some kind of study. He's got a book open before him and he's passionately reading through those pages and you go over and you engage him and see that it's a Bible that he's reading. And your first question is, uh, young man, are you a Christian? Yes, I love God. I love his word. I'm studying the Bible so that I might grow in my knowledge and understanding of God and His Word. Then you ask him, well, young man, what church do you belong to? Church. What are you talking about, church? I don't like churches. Churches are filled with hypocrites and people who get angry with one another and they squabble and they feud and they fuss and they fight over all kinds of ridiculous things and they take away from the main things and make the plant, the, the obscure things, the main things within their context. I don't have any use for the local church because after all, the church doesn't exactly like people who look like me. A young lady named Holly. When asked why she didn't attend a local church, simply said most Christian young adults know what they believe and they think as long as they have that figured out, they don't need a church family or the things that go along with it. Besides, it's just a formality for Christians and isn't really necessary. That's the context of not what non-Christians are saying about the church within our culture. That's the context of what Christians are saying about the church within our culture. Of course, this ho-hum approach to church membership is nothing more than a mere reflection of our culture's view of marriage. For within our society, many say, I don't need to be married in order to love him or her. I don't need a little slip of paper to make my commitment to him or her stick and stand. And when we get to the heart 
of what was said by those Christians about the church. It's the exact same attitude. It's a reflection of the exact same heart. For many within our, for many within our culture, fear commitment. And that fear of our culture's commitment has now infiltrated even those sacred and serious institutions of marriage and the church. And so I want to ask you this morning, is belonging to a church just a mere formality? Is it just a mere formality to be a member of a local church? Has church membership become nothing more just as unimportant to our modern day Christian as marriage has become within our modern day culture? I've had several people when I visited them after they visited us here within the church. When I go and ask them, I I ask them, well, to what church body do you belong? And I've had several of them respond and say, well, I'm a member of Christ's universal church. Which technically they are correct. Anyone who is a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ is a member of Christ's universal church. But understand, the, we must, we must, uh, understand that every authentic Christian, while they do belong to Christ in those terms, also has a need for a local church body to be a part of. Let me ask you, is it either right or wise for a person who is said to be linked spiritually with Jesus Christ, universal church, to have no connection to a local church? Is it right and is it wise for a person who says, I'm a part of Jesus Christ, universal church, to not have a direct connection to a local church? That'd be a little bit like telling your spouse, your new bride, you know what, honey? I love you, and my love is true, but I've got different priorities. Oh, I'll be here when it's convenient and comfortable for me, but don't expect too much out of me. Listen, just be happy with what I give you. How many of our brides would be happy with that? I see some of you elbowing the husband beside you. He's speaking to you. Listen, we must understand Indeed, if we say our heart is Christ and our heart beats as Christ, then we must love His beautiful bride, the church, and we must be connected to it. In studying the New Testament, I don't believe anywhere that the Christian has an option of being disconnected from a local body of believers that is God's beloved bride. If you and I identify with uh, with and love the idea of Jesus Christ redeeming sinners and transforming them into saints and giving us a place in His eternal kingdom, then you and I must identify with and love the idea of God plugging low Christians into the body of of the local church. See, we must not be simply believers. We must be belongers. We must not simply be consumers. We must be communers. We must not be simply dating the church. We must be devoted disciples who are difference makers in the local body of Christ. See, we need the local church because it is the primary tool that God has designed to facilitate the flow of the gospel to the ends of the earth and to conform the Christian to the image of Christ. And as we study through this passage today, I want you to consider how vital in your life is your connection to the local church. 
Is it a part of your life? Is it a preeminent part of your life? Is it a priority? Are you showing to the world that you are part of Christ's body by the way that you are connected to your local body of believers, the local church? As we begin this morning, let's take our Bibles and read there in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, and see the clear connection of why we as believers really need the local church, why we need the local church. Let's stand now in honor of the reading of this, God's holy and inspired word. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that his is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some have done. Father, as we come this morning, let us love you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our strength. Lord, let us love others even as ourselves. Lord, we pray that this morning our hearts would be moved to see the love, the passion, and the devotion that you have to the local church. And Father, our hearts would be moved in such a way that we would never compromise, Father, the connection, the direct connection that we are to have to your local body, your local bride, the church. Father, through our connection to the local church. Father, may we be continually expanding your kingdom. And Father, may we continually be conformed to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we walk through the scripture today, show us, Father, our sin. Show us your Savior. and Show us how you want to shape us into his image. These things we pray In Jesus' name, amen. Now we see in this passage of Scripture that while we are upon this earth, God has ordained His church to be the primary tool of His kingdom's work in evangelism for the sinner and edification for the saint. God has ordained, He has structured, He has purposed for His church to be the primary tool of his kingdom for the purposes of evangelism of the sinner and edification of the saint. That's what he's done. God has first given his son to save us from our sins, to purchase our salvation. But now he has given us his Holy Spirit and his church, his children for our sanctification. God's divine design is exactly this. It is expressly this for people who are experiencing God's redemption within their 
their own lives to cross the paths of other people who needs who need God's redemption in their lives so that all might be conformed to the image of Christ. And so when we look and understand at the revelation of Scripture, we see that God has ordained His church, you and I, to be the primary tool of His kingdom's work in evangelizing the sinner and edifying the saint. Let's begin first by understanding uh, that the church is to have a global focus with a local expression. We are to have a global focus with a local expression. Now, what did the Great Commission say? The Great Commission was Jesus' last words to the church. And the church was told there, there before Jesus ascended back to His throne of glory. He told the church, listen, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to all nations. And as you go, I want you to be evangelizing, sharing, proclaiming the message of the gospel. And as you go to the ends of the earth, proclaiming the message of the gospel, those who receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and repent from their sin you need to baptize them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and not only that you don't just stop with baptizing you need to make disciples and you need to make disciples in such a way that you are teaching them all the things that i have commanded you and so that's the great commission that's what god wants to do he wants to reach the ends of the earth by taking you and i and making disciples and so A local church is a visible, tangible, real-world expression of God's eternal kingdom within this earthly experience. We are the expression of God's kingdom in this earthly experience. And understand, God has saved us not to be just concentrated upon ourselves, not for us to have convenience and comfort at our fingertips. He has saved us so that He might change and transform sinners from every nation, tribe, and tongue. But listen, it is impossible for one Christian to reach the ends of the earth. It's impossible for one person to go and talk to every one of the 8 billion people upon this earth. But understand this, when God gives a local community of believers, they are there in that community to look globally at extending His glory to the ends of the earth, but to love locally by ministering to the community in which they exist. See, it's God's purpose to have a working and worshiping witness within this wicked and wayward world to share and to show His gospel of grace. And the church is one of His greatest pictures. We are one of His greatest portraits to the world of His goodness, of His grace, and of His love. Understand that God has a global mission, and that is to gather worshipers from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. But He does that through a local expression, a local congregation a local church. When we see the church in its rightful place, we understand that the local church is to look globally at the big picture of accomplishing the task of completing the Great Commission and taking God's plan of redemption to all people in all times at all places. But understand, we do that primarily by ministering to and meeting the needs of our homes, of our communities, of our city, of our county, and of our country in ministering faithfully and loving those who God has placed us among. There we find 
mind that the Christian is to be connected to the local church in a way that shows and shares the love of Christ to all of those within his community. We are to be a people who love globally, or look globally, but love locally. Well, pastor, I don't need to be a part of the local church. That's an outdated idea. That's over the hill. I don't have any purpose. I don't have any use for the local church. I want to read to you a statement by Charles Spurgeon who used cutting humor and wit to, to sort of uh, show the discrepancy between the Christian's approach to life who, who would say that they don't need to be a part of a local church and the actual approach of a biblical Christian. Charles Spurgeon said these words, I know there are some who say, well, I have given myself to the Lord, but I will not give myself to the church. And he asked the question, now why not? To which they respond, because I can be a Christian without being a member of the church. He responded with these words. Are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient to them? What is a brick made for to help build a house? It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it is just as good a brick while it is kicking about on the ground as it would be in a house. It is a good-for-nothing brick. Then he says, So you Rolling Stone Christians... I do not believe that you are answering your purpose. You are living contrary to the life which Christ would have you live. And you are much to blame for the injury you do. You know why? Because you're self-centered, you're self-focused, you're independent, and you're consumeristic in your approach to the local church. He says, listen, you don't want to be a purposeless brick kicking about on the ground. You don't want to be a rolling stone Christian because you're doing damage to yourself. You're doing damage to the local church by not being where you need to be and exercising the spiritual gifts God has given you. And you are disgracing the witness of Christ within the world because you are not facilitating the flow of the gospel. Listen, we need to avoid being being rolling stone Christians and in avoiding commitment within a local church, we are actually being disobedient to God's clear commands and divine design. For in the New Testament, we see a constant global focus on reaching the ends of the earth through mission trips, through church planning ventures through prayerful uh, prayerful physical and financial support of other churches but we also see a great concern expressed for the communities in which we live for indeed if you notice most of the new testament is made up of epistles written to who local churches Have you ever thought about why galatians is called galatians it was written to the church of galatia Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus. Colossians is written to the church at Colossae. All of these are expressions of the local churches that are fulfilling the Great Commission. And so in the New Testament, we see indeed a great importance placed on the global fulfillment of the Great Commission. But we understand there's a local expression to complete it in the form of the New Testament church. See, the New Testament church understood the big picture of completing the Great Commission can never be accomplished without or separated from the existence of a local congregations that were expressions of the gospel within their community, within their city, within their 
area of influence. Christians must be connected to the local church and we must have a global focus while we have a local love. Secondly, not only that, but in verses 19 through 25 of Hebrews chapter 10, we see that the church, the church is God's redeemed people in redemptive relationships. It is God's redeemed people in redemptive relationships. Now, first, as we look at this, we understand it. And if you had a moment and you're a mature Christian and I asked you, you know, what do you need in your life to grow? If, if one of the first things that you say, you, if one of the first things you say, you don't say that you need, one day I'll get this right. English is not my second language. I'll figure it out and go on. Uh, if you answer that question and you don't tell me within a very short amount of time that the local body of believers, the church, is one of the most critical things to your growth and, uh, and maturity as a Christian, I would definitely say something is wrong. Why would I do that? Well, because it is within the context of the church that we experience two of the great blessings that God has given His people. We experience worship and we experience, what else? Sanctification. God changing us and transforming us into His image. And so understand, the church is given to minister to us, to help us bear our pains, to confront our sins, and to double our joy. But understand, as we begin, that God has given us the church to indeed help us, to show us, to let us experience a taste of His glorious eternal kingdom in the worship and sanctification of ourselves. First of all, we see in verses 19 through 22, a call for congregational worship says, therefore, brothers, which in, in implicates that indeed this is a gathering. This is a group that is coming together since we once again, plural, have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with confidence, with sincere hearts and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We see here that God brings His children into a right relationship with Himself through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. There is no other source of salvation. There is no other way to enter into His kingdom. It is through the work of Christ. But understand, He brings us in not only to have a right relationship with Himself, but a right relationship with others. And because of our salvation, we are to worship and honor God together as we celebrate the life and the victory that He has given us through Jesus Christ. And now we are all to understand that worship is something that can and should be experienced individually. Can you worship on your own somewhere apart from the local church? Yes or no? Yes. Can you, can I worship somewhere other than the local church? Absolutely. But I want you to see and understand and grasp that 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 we can experience individually as we praise and honor God for His goodness and His grace can flourish within the context of community worship. See, we can worship God anytime and anywhere, but when God's people gather to 
celebrate and glorify him, something irreplaceable happens. See, when we come here on Sunday morning, each of us were given a spiritual gift at salvation. The Holy Spirit came and he equipped each of us with different gifts. And so when we come here to worship, we come as different parts of the body, bringing our different gifts to bear upon the body. And so when we come to worship, we fit together and something different and distinct comes to happen and salvation is experienced. Praise and worship is experienced in a greater way because we are now worshiping together as one body. We have been grafted in as living stones. Living stones that are being knit and woven together as a beautiful building to our great and glorious God. We lift up our praises that are acceptable sacrifices to God through the work of Jesus Christ. And so we see that indeed within the body worship, there's something special and unique that happens. Something that is irreplaceable because we get to experience God together and see God minister to us through the local body. Donald Whitney says it this way. God will manifest his presence to you in congregational worship in ways you can never know, even in the most glorious secret worship. That's because you are not only a temple of God as an individual, but the Bible says, and far more often, that Christians collectively are God's temple. God manifests his presence in different ways, to the living stones of the temple when they are gathered than He does to them when they are apart. God manifests His presence in different ways to the living stones of the temple when they are gathered than He does when they are apart. Just think of it this way. This is why the gathering of worship, uh, gathering to worship with other believers in a local church is so necessary and irreplaceable. Because listen, if you were out on your own today, who would be the one who's leading and singing? Not me. You know what? I wouldn't have written the songs to be able to sing. That's just not my gift. Who would have been the person leading in prayer? Who would have been the person engaging you and teaching you? Who would have been the person playing the instruments to accompany the songs so that you might experience the beautiful, melodious sound of God's music? Who's the person that would have been preaching? Well, hopefully somebody other than you. Your voice is almost gone, preacher. I don't want to listen to you anymore. Listen, church is not... Morning in the mountains and sunset by the seas. Church is when God's beautiful bride, the body of Christ, gathers corporately to worship God in spirit and in truth. See, body worship is not an optional benefit for the Christian. Body worship is an ordained blessing by God for His children. Body worship is is not an optional benefit. Well, I'll come if I can. I'll come if I want to. I'll come if it's convenient and comfortable for me. Body worship is an ordained blessing God has given you to come together with the body of Christ and to see Him use the spiritual gifts that have been given to each and every one of us to minister in ways we can never imagine if we were just worshiping by ourselves. Secondly, not only do we see 
the worship worship is a blessing and benefit from God, but secondly, sanctification. Sanctification is a part of the redeemed people of God being in redemptive relationships with one another. We see a second aspect of that togetherness there in verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Listen, sanctification is the process by which we are conformed to the image of Christ. And we need to understand that the second aspect of togetherness that is revealed within this passage is that we are to be shaped and formed and fashioned into the image of Christ. And God has chosen as one of the ways that he is going to do that to use his body, his church. And so we need to understand that God has purposed us to be in a direct relationship, not just with himself, but with one another, with his people, so that they might help build us up and encourage us and and move us along in the process of godliness. In other words, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. And now he has given us his spirit and his church, his body. To increasingly conform us to the image of Christ. Have you ever thought about that for a second? That God wants you to be in right relationship, not only with himself, but with his body. Because there are other redeemed people who have gone through the same struggles, who have had the same problems, who are going through the same same sin that you are. So that we might live in the context of this community, in the context of this local body of the church, as redemptive people rubbing off on one another. As redemptive people encouraging one another to continue to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. John Piper says it this way, sanctification is a community project. Our sanctification is a community project. See, salvation is a Christological project, but sanctification is a community project. We're working together. And you need me and I need you. And we need to be one, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, bringing our spiritual gifts to bear upon one another's lives so that we might increasingly encourage and exhort one another on to love and to good deeds to be conformed to the image of Christ. But let me ask you this. How can you be a part of that community if you're not even here? And if you're not connected? See, body worship and body building are not optional benefits for the Christian. They are ordained blessings for God's children. Body worship and body building are not optional benefits for God's children. They are ordained benefits and blessings by God for his children and understand God's grace flows through us to one another. Indeed, we saw this. God was teaching me a few months back how to walk by faith, how to live by faith, how to trust him in everything, how to understand that he is my protection and my provision. And there was a certain need within our house, within our family, and and there was a need. And we were sort of wondering what in the world we were going to do and how we were going to be, how it was 
was going to be provided for. And then one day we came in. I came in on a Sunday afternoon and I came in to sit down at my desk. And there on the desk was this beautiful basket of provision that God had brought through the hands of some of you within the congregation. And there, as we opened up and looked at all the wonderful things that were in that basket, was exactly the amount of money that we needed almost to the dime. For the provision that we had. For the need that we had. It was God's provision through the local body. And sometimes not only do we need provision and protection. And he might well exercise that within the context of the church. Sometimes we need to be confronted over our sin. Sometimes we need to be conformed to the image of Christ. By being confronted over our sin. I always think back when I when I think of uh, what it means to be sanctified and how we need to be moved and increasingly conformed to the image of Christ. I always think back to a time I worked at Habitat in college. And there, when we were in college, we were building and framing in the house. And as we put up the frames for that house, we took a square. You know what a square is, right? It's just a right angle. And we stuck it in the corner when we got through nailing those walls up and putting them up. And you know what we figured out? We were about five inches out of square. There was a problem. The walls didn't come together at a 90 degree angle like they were supposed to. And so I took the hammer and I started beating on the outside of the wall. You know what the wall did? Exactly what you're doing. Nothing. Sat there. And I said, well, this isn't working. So I went over and I got a little bit bigger, about a 16-ounce hammer. And I came back over and, and I'm going, well, a pound plus, you know, you know, all my manly muscle. I, I'll be able to move this. And I start swinging it. Guess what happened? Nothing. Finally, the foreman on the site walks over and he says, what are you doing with that? So, well, we're about five inches out of square and I'm trying to use the tools that I have here to move the, move, uh, the wall over and make it square with this piece, this tool that shows us whether it, it, it fits exactly like it's supposed to. And finally, he looked at me. He said, you're wasting your time. Come on with me here. Here's a two pound sledgehammer. Go over there and swing. And I started tapping on it thinking, oh, this is not going to take long. Guess what? The wall didn't move. He said, no, don't tap it like that. Go ahead and swing it. Swing it hard. Swing it free. Move it. And I started beating and pounding on that wall. Finally, it started to shift. It started to move. And finally, it conformed to the shape of the square. And the reality is there are times when God has to beat us, shape us, form us, and fashion us by hitting on us with a sledgehammer to get us exactly where he wants us to be and to serve the purposes he wants us to serve. You know what? That relationship can begin here. That relationship begins in the local body of Christ. For indeed, we 
are the, are the tools that God uses for sanctification to move us and to shape us into the image of Christ. Indeed, the church is God's redeemed people in redemptive relationships with one another who help shape and fashion us into the image of Christ to show the watching world that God's grace saves and sanctifies even the worst of sinners. Listen, we are to be people as Christians who have a global focus with a local love, but we are also to be people who are redeemed with redemptive relationship. Finally, this morning, we need to understand this, that the church is God's best showpiece. The church is God's best showpiece to the world of His glory and of His grace. See, the local church congregation is the best expression of God's redemption and recreation of sinners into saints. We are the living testimony to show our non-Christian neighbors that the new life made available through Jesus' death and resurrection is the foundation of a new kingdom. It's a new society. We are new people with new hearts and new starts. We need to go into the nation. We need to go into our neighborhood and show that Jesus Christ can take anyone from anywhere with anything in their past and clean them up and straighten them out and conform them to the image of Christ. And it is never hopeless. There is never anyone who is beyond the reach of God's grace. And there's never anyone who does not need God's grace. And you know who the living example of that to our nation and to our neighborhood is? You and I. You and I. Isn't that amazing that God would choose His path of crying out and calling out to all sinners? He would use you and I. He would use people who were known for their anger and their backbiting, their bitterness, their feuding, their fussing and their fighting, their gossiping, their drunkenness, their drug use and their debauchery. He would take them and change them and transform them and clean them up, give them a new life, give them a new heart, give them a new start, and then send us out to tell the world about a God who can take anyone from anywhere with anything in their past and make them new. What a glorious God we serve. What a great God we serve. And in the context of our church community, we share and show the transforming effects of the gospel upon our life if we refuse to attach ourselves to God's beloved bride in the local expression of the church, then we have forsaken the assembling of ourselves together and we have failed to be the witness He wants us to be, to do the work that He wants us to do. Indeed, If the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, then God is able to save anywhere, anyone from anywhere with anything in their past. He is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. And He is able to change and transform not just any sinner, but you. He's able to take you, to clean you up, give you a new heart, give you a new life, give you a new start. The question is, If he does that for me, will I plug in and be a participant in his greatest showpiece before this world? Will I be a picture and a portrait of God's love to everyone that I come into contact with? Will I continue to to 
to love his local church and to minister faithfully so that we can be examples uh, of serving one another, of forgiving one another, of genuinely caring for one another? Am I going to be a model of one who has care, compassion, and concern for all those that Christ bring it, brings into my path? See, it is in the local church that we see the truest expression of the gospel. Because we are sinners in need, <clears throat> in need of a Savior who are turning to others and crying out and calling out, Oh, sinner, won't you come? Won't you see? Won't you receive God's precious Savior? Listen, the church is more than just a group of Christians who are meeting together for encouragement. <coughs> it's more than just Christians who are listening to preaching on the internet, on the radio and TV. It's more than just Christians who are talking to other Christians on the phone in other cities. The church is God's witness to a wicked and wayward world that He can save anyone from anywhere with anything in their past and He can change and transform them to live and to look like Jesus Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the context of the local church. Listen, God loves the local church and He has given it to be His tool of completing the Great Commission by taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and by sanctifying those who believe in Jesus Christ. What holds us back? Well, we hold ourselves back because we have consumeristic mindsets when we say, well, that church isn't exactly what we want. That preacher isn't exactly what we want. We have independent mindsets that hold us back when we say, well, I don't want to give up my way of life. I don't want to sacrifice my sin. Or I really don't want to serve anybody else. I don't have a, have a view or a notion to do that. We are critical of the church and we say, well, that church isn't exactly what they ought to be. They aren't exactly what I would expect. They aren't the perfect church. Listen. The question is not, are they the perfect church? The question is, if you and I identify with the love of God that, that redeems sinners from their sins and changes and transforms them into saints to live in His eternal kingdom, will we see the need of connecting to a local church? An expression of His love and His grace. Will we commit to a church and see it not as a burden, but as a blessing. See, a local church doesn't tie us down. It anchors us through the storms of life. Even in the midst of a church's faults, we, it becomes an opportunity for God's children to love and to serve one another in such a way that God's kingdom goes forward and the gospel goes forth. We must not be believers. We must be belongers. We must not be consumers. We must be communers. We must not simply be daters. We must be devoted disciples who are faithful. We must be devoted disciples that are difference makers within God's community of the church. See, we need the local church because it is the primary tool God has ordained to facilitate the flow of the gospel to the ends of the earth and to conform the individual Christian into 
the, into the image of Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, life lived in a local church is an adventure that will lead to more joy and spiritual death than you could ever imagine on your own. Listen, the Christian life is not intended to be a lone ranger life. The Christian life is to be an expression of God's love through connection to a local church body. Father, we thank You for the work of Jesus Christ that redeems us from our sins, that pays the penalty and sets us free from the power of sin. And Father, we praise You that because of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear in life or in death. But Father, we ask that today You would teach us Father, to love what you love. Father, to understand our need for your body, the bride of Jesus Christ. Father, that we would live in a right relationship, not just with you, but with one another. Father, that we truly would be redeemed people in the midst of redemptive relationships. And that, Father, the gospel that has changed and transformed my heart fill and flow through me to everybody that I come into contact with. Lord, we pray now that you would teach us, Father, not just to abandon the idea as old and outdated, but Father, to embrace the divine design that you have given to us of loving and being intimately connected within the local body of believers your local church. Father, let us be a people here at Adamsville that are given to completing the task of the Great Commission by carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. But Father, let us be people who are committed to loving this local community in such a way that they see the transformational work of Jesus Christ in our hearts and the lives each and every day as we walk among them. Lord, lead us in this time of decision. Father, let us have a sweet hour of prayer as we pray for you to come and to revive us in such a way that we would be a living and vibrant community of faith ministering in the midst of this community of Goldsboro. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand now as we have our hymn of invitation. If you have a decision that you need to make, and whether that be a seriousness of your commitment to Christ or a seriousness of your commitment to His church, I invite you to come now and share that or come to the altar and just pray and ask for God to give you a new heart, a new view for, for His work through the local body, His church.